in the high desert in the great American Southwest. I'm Art Bell. Slamming into your radio like a supercharged nanoparticle of unobtainium. My name is George Van. I'm Richard Serrett. This is Connie Willis. I'm George Norrie. Welcome to Coast to Coast Day. It's great to be here. Welcome to Coast to Coast PM, the number one unofficial Coast to Coast AM podcast. We are two brothers who analyze the world's largest overnight paranormal radio show known as Coast to Coast AM. My name is Paul, and I'm the one that listens to this inexplicable radio show here with my brother. Hey, it's Chris, and Paul, I'm ready to get weird today. Chris, this is going to be an interesting, interesting topic that we will be covering today. What do you got for us? I haven't told you what it's about yet, have I? I have no idea. So, do you want to play a little game? We've never done this before. Absolutely. Can I I play you George's introduction of this guy with his credentials, and then you guess what we're talking about? Give it to me, baby. All right, let's go. This is George Norris' introduction of our our guest today. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. We've got a great program to get your week rolling here. Benjamin Baruch back with us, professional financial advisor, author, public speaker, also a chartered uh, financial analyst and certified public accountant, acts as a financial advisor to some of the largest privately held real estate companies in America. His academic background includes studies in international finance and economics at UCLA and graduate studies at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem. Benjamin is a recognized expert in real estate taxation, and his professional experience includes the management of institutional investment portfolios. Well, Paul, I think the normie answer to what we would be talking about is some kind of global financial cabal, possibly ran by the banks. I'm thinking Rothschilds. I'm thinking World Economic Forum. That's a great guess. That's a great guess. Uh, But no, what we're going to be talking about today is how the Bible predicted global nuclear annihilation within the next 14 months. I So it's the same thing. Essentially the same thing, I guess. (laughs) Well, who's going to destroy the world? It is a global cabal, Chris, that we will be talking about that is satanic in nature. Of course it's satanic. It's got to be satanic. Very, very satanic. Mostly Satanists and witch covens will be involved in today's episode. Yeah, man. They worship Moloch. And Moloch is close enough to Satan for me. But before we get to that, we got to go check in with our good friend Tim Banal at the Coast to Coast AM blog. Tim Tam! Today's article. Clown home invasion prank goes wildly awry in Wisconsin. We haven't had a clown one in a few weeks, Paul. I miss the clowns. You you pick them more frequently than I would have thought. Tim picks them more frequently than I would have thought. Oh, okay, okay. If I wouldn't have clown ones to pick if Tim didn't write about them. So this You're is right. only You're half right. my fault. All right. So we're blaming Tim mostly. Most. You hear that, Tim? <laughs> we blame you mostly. All right. To the article. A homeowner in Wisconsin found himself in trouble with the law after he enlisted someone to dress as a clown and terrify a group of teenagers who thought that the unsettling individual had broken into the residence. How much money do you get for impersonating a clown, do you think? To scare children, probably not a lot. I feel like that's its own reward. And it's okay. Okay. Honestly, if you give me twenty bucks or like a six pack, I'll I'll scare your kids in a clown suit. Yeah, that just sounds fun. Yeah. The misguided prank reportedly occurred on the Saturday before Halloween in the community of West Bend. What likely began as a fun gathering at a friend's house ahead of the holiday quickly turned troubling. When the teens were surprised by a clown that had seemingly broken into the house. This sounds like the start of every slasher movie I've ever heard of. This teenage, is honestly so teenage many. party. Yeah. Teenage holiday party. There's definitely alcohol there. Underage. There's definitely drugs there. Illegal. And they're definitely having canoodling, playing seven minutes in heaven and spend the bottle. Immoral. Very, very immoral. There were two hot 25-year-olds that pretend to be 17 that were definitely hooking up and got murdered by this clown. Because I've learned that from every scary movie. 
Absolutely. I just watched Scream recently, and uh, this is exactly what happened. Understandably unnerved by the presence of the haunting Harlequin, one quick-thinking teen phoned 911 to report the unnerving intruder. In a recording of the rather strange call, the frightened girl can be heard telling the dispatcher that, quote, there's a clown inside, like an actual clown inside the house right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, I'm serious. It's actually a clown. Sir, That's so please awesome. stop laughing. Asked if she could identify the intruder, the teen indicated that she could not, and then indicated that, quote, my friend's parents were also in the house. Ford Eversick saying, just get here as fast as you can, please. There's an intruder. I guess you do have to explain that he's dressed like a clown. Yeah, that is. But then also, I feel like it would mean the police wouldn't take me seriously. Right. There's a clown in my house. There's oh, you're clown. crazy. Yeah, there's a clown in my house. Sir, there's a giant inflatable dinosaur running around my house <laughs> with a knife. No, I know the giant inflatable part, but the knife is real and he is chasing me. That might be a great way to murder people is you just dress as something ridiculous, like an astronaut. Right. Like, there's an astronaut in the house trying to kill me. They're like, okay, yes. who forgot their medicine today? Right, exactly. Raggedy Ann is following me around the house trying to kill me. Shortly after the call for help, the case of the mysterious clown was solved in a less than dramatic fashion as a man phoned 911 to say that it was all a big misunderstanding. We were just playing a joke. Sorry they called you. I didn't know my daughter had a friend on the phone. The presumably embarrassed parent of one of the teens said to the dispatcher. It was one of the dads? Yeah. Whoa. When uh, when pulling a prank goes wrong. Yeah, you. they were trying to mess with their kids, apparently. That's yeah. kind of a cool dad, though. That is kind of a cool dad. The clown is scary. It went awry, but that I feel like that's a fun dad. Like I saw a video of a dad who went down to the breaker box while his uh, teenage uh, daughter was playing Ouija board with her friends upstairs and started flicking the lights on and off. That's a fun dad. It was later revealed that the intruder was simply another family member in a clown costume who had broken into the home to scare the teens. Nice, dude. Well, also, though, kind of weird because I don't think as a dad, I would want to see what my kids were doing. He was out there stalking for a while. I guarantee it. Do you think he was like kind of having fun just like staring through the window? I guarantee it. And he's thinking like, I can't believe none of them see me yet. <laughs> While the dispatcher expressed understanding over the strange situation, authorities were not so forgiving as the homeowner was ultimately issued a citation for disorderly conduct over the incident. Wow. Disorderly conduct? Yeah, he got ticketed. That sounds like some real nanny state violation. That's a lame cop. Yeah, that that is a nanny state gone awry. Like anything can be, what was it, disorderly conduct? Yeah. Anything can be disorderly conduct. Anything My guess can. is if you pull a prank that results in someone sending cops to your house, yeah. Then it's like a you miss like you caused the misuse of you know right. city resources or something. But still, come on. It's fun. Well, that's something that's recently been instituted in my city is they were having trouble with a lot of these do-it-yourself alarm systems. Oh yeah. And they're just going off and police are having to respond to them. And so it's become a real issue in that. A lot of the times you just have cops, all they're doing all day is like responding to these essentially bogus calls. Yeah. Instead and so, of like doing something. Right. And so they've recently made it a infraction to do that. So you end up having to pay a fine and the fine increases as it happens more and more. Nanny state. Nanny state. In explaining their reasoning to local to a local TV station, the West Bend police said that they realized that this was intended to be a Halloween prank, but the investigating officer believed it was carried too far when the parents involved didn't put an end to the joke before 911 came involved. Sir, you've taken this too far. 
<laughs> I think they took it just far enough. I blame the daughter. Yeah. Play it out a little bit longer just before you call the police. Like, you got a whole group of people there. You could have taken the intruder down. You know what I would have been scared of is one of them actually attacking me, like throwing something at me or like grabbing a kitchen knife and stabbing me or something. I feel like that is a concern if you are staging a fake break-in to your daughter's party. It's a dangerous prank. It's a dangerous prank. That that wouldn't have flown very far down in Arkansas. You may have gotten shot. I had plenty of friends who had guns in their cars. There was a video I watched of a guy who started pouring fake gasoline on someone's car uh, at a Walmart, and the guy pulled out a gun. Yeah. It's like, don't do that in the South, dude. There are too many guns out here. Yeah, too way too many guns, and you don't know who is currently packing. Not a good move. Well, that was our Tim time for today. Chris, are you ready to jump to some housekeeping? Absolutely. You can support the show at patreon.com slash pm where you can sign up for as little as $2 a month. You'll get access to bonus episodes and you will keep us on the air and keep our lights on, keep our mics electrified. If you don't got a couple bones throw our way, you can drop us five stars on Spotify or Apple uh, and drop us a review on Apple. We really appreciate that. I still have a couple coasters left. I'm sending a few more out this week. Um, So if you sent me those reviews, they are in the mail. Still got a couple left. So send me a picture of your review and I'll send you a Coast to Coast PM coaster. Uh, you can find us on Reddit, Coast to Coast PM. You can email me at c2cpmpod at gmail.com. If you want to reach Chris, go to our Reddit. Uh, I think that's it. You ready for the show? I'm so excited for this one. I've been waiting for a One World Order episode, and I feel like you're finally giving it to me. A little bit. It's mostly about nuclear annihilation and war, though. Well, that's the natural aspect of a One World Order. It will destroy itself. Well, Chris, let's get into Benjamin Baruch's interview with George Norrie on October 1st, 2023. So we're going to start off very strong by talking about various World War III scenarios and how World War III could potentially play out. The former head of uh, Russia, Dmitry Medvedev, is uh, Putin's right-hand man, claiming that if the United Kingdom sends troops into Ukraine, it could be an all-out World War III. What do you think of that? Well, Russian political leaders, Russian news media personalities, officials within the Russian military have been talking about a nuclear war with the West for the better part of the last year. And they're not really making idle threats. Uh, The the nuclear arsenal that Russia possesses is far greater than America's arsenal today. So they do have the ability to uh, destroy the United Kingdom, which was Medvedev's latest comment, that if the British were to train Ukrainian forces in Ukraine, perhaps Russia should simply eradicate the the Commonwealth. George Noring saying Medvedev is my <laughs> favorite thing in the world now. Medvedev. 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 So that was awesome. Good old nuclear war in the UK, dude. You can't take the UK out. They're too cute. Is that kind of like anarchy in the UK? So the Sex Pistols had it right. I guess so, yeah. All right, perfect. Yeah, no, I'm uh, take that whole island out. Leave Ireland. We're good. No, I like the UK. I love the Brits. I kid the Brits. I love them. But the question that George Norrie postulates is, why isn't the U.S. doing more to stop Russia? Like, why aren't we intervening to stop the violence? Didn't we do enough? Haven't we been doing enough in Ukraine? Benjamin, why aren't we sitting down with Russia saying, let's stop this craziness? What do we need to do? Because the shadow government that is uh, attempting to take complete control of the earth for the forces of uh, the Antichrist, if you will, uh, are looking to create World War III. This is the event of World War III is the the crisis that allows the one world government to suddenly take control of the planet. Following World War III, the world will be effectively destroyed. Hey, you crazy kids, why don't you knock it off? <laughs> it Like it's that easy. You think Papa Joe could pull that off, dude? No. Papa Joe can't pull <laughs> off getting out of bed in the morning anymore. 
He can get out of bed. He just gets a little lost on the way to the bathroom. <laughs> he can mostly get out of bed himself without using the, the medical arm bar that's been attached to the bed so he doesn't roll out by accident. Yeah, and how, how much can you effectively negotiate a peace treaty when you are fully funding one side of the war? I don't know how well that would work. <laughs> right, exactly. The, maybe not the most uh, effective negotiator. Uncertain. We did get some shade from someone uh, for our previous commentary on the Ukraine-Russian war, so apparently they don't yes. appreciate us making jokes, so maybe we shouldn't joke too much. Let's not joke about it. It's serious. Uh, but what else is serious, Chris, is that the Russians want nuclear war. And that's why they're doing this. The Russians have been planning for an eventual nuclear war with the United States going all the way back to the 1950s. Do they really want this? Uh, yes, actually, they consider it to be the only way that they can complete their global conquest of communism. They have to eliminate the United States, and if they're successful in destroying the United States as a nuclear superpower, the rest of the nations fold. It's the domino theory in reverse. They can take out America. Who can stand? I hate the domino theory, but let's move past that. <laughs> I, I do believe that Russia has been planning for some kind of nuclear altercation with america since the 50s i also believe america has been planning for that eventuality as well yeah as we have what? military plans for an alien invasion you right. know what i mean we That's just have exactly contingency right. plans <laughs> yes and again we do war games every yeah. year with countries all over the world now yeah. that have all kinds of crazy scenarios i mean our National Guard a couple of years back did like a big what happens if like Ebola came to the state and it was terrible. So like people plan on stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, if uh, Ebola ends up uh, in South Carolina in a uh, couple of years, I'm going to raise an eyebrow. <laughs> but otherwise, yeah, it's good for people to plan and do kind of fake runs when it doesn't matter so when the bad stuff happens you're kind of ready and and kind of locked in and it's muscle memory i can guarantee that every country that has nukes has gamed out how they would use their nukes in war a hundred percent and tries to game out how the other countries would yeah. be reacting and i mean everyone has some sort of quantum computing ai power now like they're constantly running these you think since israel palestine has happened that we're not running all kinds of crazy scenarios of what could possibly happen in the next days weeks or months please we're ready to go in a minute's notice dude the the other thing i found int interesting was the idea that russia's goal is global domination to spread communism that feels like a slightly outdated ideology very <laughs> Soviet we might need to union. update that <laughs> very soviet union putin doesn't give a crap about communism and you yeah. can tell this because he's like embracing the russian orthodox church yeah you would not do that if you were a full-blooded communist communists very famous atheists it was yes. kind of a big part of the communism that was the that was a very <laughs> important aspect to the communist creed. Yeah, so I don't really know where he's coming in from that, but you may want to uh, check out what Russia's been doing in the past 30 years. But speaking of communists, Chris, did you know that we did have Chinese troops actively invading the United States? I did not know that. Well, they are. In Canada, foreign troops pouring across the southern border of the United States thousands of Chinese military personnel are coming across dressed in civilian garb. We have a silent invasion occurring today. So, you know, this war is far more complex than most people realize. And, and the dimensions of the threat we face are, are the most severe in the history of our country. And our enemy has been continually threatening nuclear war, and nobody takes them seriously. 
But the reality is their submarines are off our coast. They could launch cruise missiles from these submarines that would be detonating in, in Western cities within a matter of minutes. So let me specify this first, that I do believe that the U.S. immigration system is completely broken and that our borders are probably pretty porous, right? Like, I don't, I don't doubt that at all. What I do doubt is that all these different countries are sending hundreds, if not thousands, of their special forces or terrorists or I guess now actual army members <laughs> into the U.S. I just do not believe that. I, I wanted him to expand on that point because I'm like, okay, where are you getting this from? I just, I, I actually haven't heard that we have Chinese soldiers in plain clothes flooding across the southern border. I'm like, expand on that, please. Yeah, can we talk more about that? I hadn't heard that one. I, I just, it, it's one of those that I feel like we always hear around this time, right? It, it's the, what was it? The caravan when it was under Trump and it was oh, like, yeah. oh my God, there's 56,000 migrants in a giant caravan slowly making a, their way up Central America, doomsday. And it's just, didn't hear anything after that have no idea yeah. what happened to any of those people my assumption is they're all in america now i have no idea but they were talking about it like it was just this slow rolling ball of humans that was just yeah. coming towards the mass and i was like what what apocalyptic zombie mass and I just haven't heard any complaints out of uh, any small Texas towns of all the Chinese soldiers who are taking over. But and I don't you know, know they just, would. You they know would they would. I would hear about it on Fox immediately. We <laughs> would be hearing it on Fox 24-7 about all the Chinese army soldiers making their way through. They're leaving, you know, little boxes of Chinese rice all over the place. It's unbelievable. I, yeah, so I'm, I'm waiting to hear some news on that. I'm just not up to date on uh, the the Chinese ground invasion in uh, in southern Texas. But apart from China, Chris, I think the main enemy right now is Russia. Yeah, of and course, dude. you may think that Russia is trying to take Ukraine. Russia's not actually trying to take Ukraine. What are they actually trying to do? Oh, they're playing chess, not checkers, baby. You have to win the political victory, which means you have to prove you've engaged in a just war and that your actions were defensive. And that is exactly the current strategy that Russia's been pursuing in Ukraine. They're not trying to win Ukraine in the sense that we think. You know, Dr. Peter Vincent Cry, who, you know... God rest his soul. Yeah, what a, what a patriot, what an American hero. Uh, he died a little over a year ago. I actually interviewed him a few weeks before his death and, and got his perspective on the very first... You know, year of uh, of the war in Ukraine, and I'd, I'd like to just share a couple of his comments, if I may. And this is Dr. Pride. Yeah, we're going to hit a break soon, but go ahead. Sure. Um, he basically said, what if Russia never wanted a quick victory in Ukraine? What if Russia is playing chess with the West, and the Western leaders are merely playing checkers? Maybe it's not true that Russia wanted to even conquer Ukraine. Russia's capable of blitzkrieg war. Look how quickly they took Crimea in 2014. They have a history of fighting long, protracted wars go on for years. Americans assume that the Russians think like we do, and that they must want a quick end to this war, because that's what we would want. But totalitarian regimes see a lot of positive things that come from long protracted wars. It helps unite the country. Putin is now more popular inside Russia than ever. And the attacks on Moscow, I'm interjecting my own comments, the attacks on, on civilians in Russian territory, you know, this is hardening the Russian political resolve. I actually don't really disagree with a lot of that analysis. I, I would disagree with the fact that they want to be in a long protracted war. I don't think that this is necessarily benefiting them. Um, I, disagree. Say, I disagree. I disagree. Well, let me finish. Let me finish. Okay, go ahead. To say that it is equivalent to um, like looking at Crimea. It's like, yeah, Crimea is right next to Russia. They have taken over the areas right next to Russia that have more support for Russia than the Western portions. So it actually tracks that, yeah, they were able to take Crimea. They were also able to take 
Eastern Ukraine pretty easily and hold it um, and start handing out passports, but they haven't been able to like make their way inward and they keep getting pushed back. So I don't think to say like because they took Crimea so quickly, they should be able to take Ukraine so quickly. It's a vastly different thing that you would have to achieve. Okay, yeah, I, I I do kind of buy that, but I think the Russians went into this with a war of attrition mentality that this was going to be protracted, that the Ukrainians were going to get support from the West, but I think they hoped that eventually the Western resolve, which we're seeing it now, would fade over time, and also that the West would be weakened by it, which it this has happened. We have used up our arms reserves, missiles and ammunition of all types that this has made us weaker in the long run that we've supported Ukraine as heavily as we have. But I mean, it's a it's a pretty classic proxy war, though, because Russia has also used up an enormous amount of their reserves yes. and are having to like draft normal civilians. And I'm not convinced that them doing a draft is going to help them in the long run. The more people die, the more people are not going to like this. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. This is not this. It's a lose lose proposition for everybody involved at this point. Yeah. It's just except a drain for, of resources. Except for China. China China's comes- doing great. China comes out looking like a real minch <laughs> out of all this, dude. China is on top, as always. I'm going to start learning Mandarin just to be safe. Quick. <laughs> well, we may need to learn quicker than you think, Chris, because when it comes to China, you know, wanting to invade Taiwan, right? That's normie thinking, dude. That's not 4D chess. They don't want to invade Taiwan. You know, Western analysts have said that, you know, the U.S. has a plan to, a devastating plan to defeat China if they invade Taiwan. Well, what if China's not planning on invading Taiwan? What if that's merely another diversion, another deception, another head fake? A ruse. Yeah, the merchant marine ships that would carry Chinese troops to Taiwan have a range sufficient to carry them to California. Now, a number of analysts, Kyle Bass, one of the ones I respect the most, made the statement that he believes Xi Jinping is really going to do this. They're really going to war. And the senior military officials know this inside the U.S., that that war is on the horizon, a a war that now will include China. And, and, you know, their surrogate state, North Korea, no doubt will be engaged as well. And Iran is, is, you know, planning to open another front in the Middle East. And so we're going to have this massive world war on our hands. But but what if it turns out that China is not preparing to invade Taiwan at all, but they're actually preparing to invade the United States, and that it would be uh, the first act of war would be a massive nuclear strike on the country? That's a interesting theory. It's definitely an interesting theory. I mean, why, if you gamed it out so that if you were to attack Taiwan, that if you were to attack Taiwan, that the United States was coming into that conflict no matter what, why would you not just attack the United States? Well, so what he's saying is that they're, they're not going to attack Taiwan. They're going I to know. attack the U.S. That's what I'm saying. That's oh, what just I'm go saying. for the U.S. That's what I'm saying. If you gamed it out in all your simulations and every war yeah. game that you do, and the U.S. always ends up coming in on the side of Taiwan, why would you not just start the war with the U.S.? I think that if they were to invade Taiwan, it would be a similar scenario to Ukraine where we are funding, but we're not actively engaged in fighting. I don't see us going head-to-head with China. It's Germany It's Germany realizing that there's no way they're convincing Great Britain not to go to war with them. It's the same thing as what's happening in Ukraine right now. We aren't. Uh, we're not on the ground shooting at Russian soldiers. We're just sending mm. a ton of weapons. Like uh, if China were to invade Taiwan, I don't see us actively getting involved because, like, what he's saying, it's literally the exact same situ- situation as Ukraine, where they're invading. We definitely, them. I guarantee you, we have forces in the Ukraine, and I guarantee you, there has been 
deaths of American milita military personnel in the Ukraine, for it's, sure. That's different than us actually going in and fighting with all our... Like, having a few advisors there is very different from having our soldiers on the ground. And, like, I don't see a scenario where we're somehow treating Taiwan like we have to fully attack China. How about the Middle East, though? What about the Middle East? Because that's actually the scenario I'm thinking about. Oh, like head. Israel? Yeah, I'm talking. About I want to get into that. That's okay. I think that's a different piece. But that, but we have soldiers in Syria. We have soldiers in Iraq. We have soldiers in all these areas that can t take missile fire from whoever. That have been taking missile fire from whoever, and there's all these weird complex forces again that. I don't know what happens when a, a missile comes out of Iran and hits a an American jet. All of a sudden, you got China involved, you have Iran involved, you have Russia involved, you have the U.S. involved, you have Europe involved. You have you know what I mean. Everybody gets involved all of a sudden. Yeah, but that's a, that's a different scenario. I think what we're talking about here is China deciding to strike first on the United States, which I don't think is a feasible thing to occur. No, no, that that just happening is not that isn't going to be the first volley. Yeah. If there if there's a ton of kindling and various scenarios come into play, then I could see a war between the between China and the United States. I think it's gonna take a bit to get us there. Right. I don't think China's just going to invade the US. No, no, I don't think so. Okay. But here's the important thing, Chris, is that the Bible would disagree with me. So let's get into how this is biblical. Now, how does this tie into biblical prophecy, Benjamin? Well, it, it ties into biblical prophecy because a war, a nuclear war against the United States is clearly in the scriptures. The fact that the United States is anti-Mystery Babylon is in Jeremiah 1551. The fact that it would rule the earth for 70 years and then face imminent judgment was prophesied by Jeremiah in chapter 25, verse 12, the second half of that verse dealing with the land of the Chaldeans, which shall become a perpetual desolation, is a reference to the nuclear annihilation of the United States. The balance of Jeremiah chapter 25 from verse 13 on, where the citizens of America are taken into slavery by the invading ground forces, where then God enters into judgment with all the nations of the earth, and where the slain of the Lord are from one end of the earth to the other. None of these events occurred in the fall of ancient Babylon. This is the fall of a successive empire at the end of the age. And what is the leading superpower, the most wealthy, the most proud, and now the most vile of nations? That at one time was a, was a nation that had morality and righteousness and, and was the, the envy of the whole earth. The, the whole world looked up to America in 1945. When the NATO treaty was signed in 1949, America was the de facto leader of the free world. Now America has been basically uh, dethroned. America has been revealed. Well, I'm actually a little disappointed because I was hoping that the symbology that I was hoping he was going to go for was mentions of dragons <laughs> being China rising. Oh, and so okay. anytime you had you know, the forces of good battling dragons in the Bible, that was directly America versus China. That so would have been we were, funny. <laughs> I thought we were going to get a lot more revelations. So I'm a little bummed that he went with Jeremiah and Daniel. Yeah. But please tell me you looked up those verses because I don't have any idea what those verses actually say. Not only did I, I didn't even have to look up the verses because I just knew them because I, I've heard them referenced in, in other scenarios, um, specifically with David Koresh at Waco. These were mm. also important aspects of him reading the United States of Babylon. But before we dig into what these verses are actually talking about, let's learn a little more about the math that he is using to establish that nuclear annihilation is coming in 2014. So we got a little numerology here. Just a, just a touch, just a touch of numerology coming into play. In terms of Bible prophecy, the most amazing breakthrough or insight, if you will, the prophecies of Daniel chapter 9, dealing with the 70 weeks or the 77th, in which these events would come to pass, and in which give us insight into the timing of the, of the appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. The first half of the prophecy dealt with 
his birth in the year 2 BC, which was exactly 62 weeks following the commandment of Artaxerxes, king of Media Persia, authorizing Nehemiah and Ezra to go back to Israel and rebuild the city. And, and at the end of the age, again, a prophecy of the appearance of the Lord as the man-child coming in his people as God Almighty, the Lion of Judah, before he comes in the clouds of glory on the very last day. You know, these prophecies, which everyone understands pertain to the city of Jerusalem, the, the text in, in Daniel 9, verse 24, actually reads, 77s are determined upon the people of Israel and the holy city. There's two prophecies there, George, and nobody's focused on the prophecy of Israel. And the, the sevens for the prophecy regarding the nation of Israel are Sabbath years. Seven is the Sabbath day. The seventh year is the Sabbath year. And seven Sabbath years represent the compass of a jubilee. The prophecy is telling us from the, the birth of the nation of Israel, which was the, of the exodus under Moses, which took place approximately 1450 B.C., until the coming of the Mighty One in judgment in the earth, there would be 70 jubilees, or roughly 3,500 years. But the final jubilee, the 70th jubilee of Israel, is a spiritual jubilee, not a civil jubilee. And we don't have time to go into the details, but what that means is the jubilee would be 25 years following the last civil jubilee. Well, Israel was restored during a jubilee. Jesus was born in 2 B.C. on a jubilee. Israel was, was won their war of independence and became a free state in 1949, a jubilee. 1999, 50 years later, was a jubilee. And the 70th jubilee of Israel, which, in which God is going to complete his work, seven is the number of perfection, ten is the number of completion, and so God is going to complete the work of the total redemption of his people in a spiritual jubilee, which the spiritual life of the people is altered, that will occur 25 years following 1999. You know what's funny about jubilees, Paul? What? That, that jubilees are only done by kings and tyrants. Hmm. Jubilees never take place in systems of republics or oligarchs because who owns all the debt? The oligarchs. The king doesn't care about forgiving all of his aristocrats' debts. You know what I mean? He, In fact, he wants to hurt them every once in a while. They're probably getting a little too big in their britches. You institute a jubilee, all of a sudden, all this money they've lent out is forgiven. And so it's a good way to keep the system from ever getting too unequal. This is one of the reasons that even before Rome becomes a republic, you can see jubilees instituted in the old Roman kingdom. But once the republic is instituted, no more jubilees. Well, what we're specifically talking about, Chris, is these jubilees lining up to the end of the world. Right, but but I'm saying, I don't know. I kind of feel like if you're not doing jubilees anymore, if the actual process of the jubilee is no longer being enacted upon the society, then jubilees aren't happening. Here's the thing that I deem to be most important here, though, is that he is making up them being jubilees. Okay. So that's not in scripture at all. Oh, is it not? Is it not in either of the texts? You wouldn't know about? that by the way he presented it. He made it up. He made it up. So, okay, well then give it to us for real. What does he I was, actually I was say? about to, and you started yelling about Jubilee. So what Jeremiah 25, 12 says is then after 70 years of captivity captivity are over, I will punish the king of Babylon and his people for their sins, says the Lord. I will make the country of the Babylonians a waste forever. I will bring upon them all the terrors I have promised in this book. So that's what Jeremiah is saying, is that when the Jews were taken into Babylon, that after 70 years of captivity, then God is going to rain hell fire over Babylon and basically just have all the people enslaved, right? In retribution for it. Yeah. So that didn't actually happen. All right. So nothing about a jubilee so far. Okay. Yeah. But the, right, the so important thing Daniel. too. 
the important thing too with Daniel, I mean, with Daniel is that what Jeremiah said didn't actually occur. Babylon was eventually taken over. The Jews eventually did come out of captivity, but like this sort of redemptive arc that Jeremiah was discussing didn't occur. So Daniel comes into play. Daniel says a period of 70 sets of seven has been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish their rebellion, put an end to their sin and to atone for their guilt. So what Daniel said was, no, no, no. You got confused with the Jeremiah stuff. It wasn't 70 years. It was 70 years times seven. That's right. when all this stuff is going to happen. Yeah. So he was adjusting Jeremiah's dates, right? right? He was reinterpreting Jeremiah to be a much longer time frame because the prophecy couldn't have been wrong. Our interpretation of the prophecy had to be wrong because God doesn't lie. God is not wrong. Yeah, dude. You get Seventh-day Adventism out of this, right? Yes. So the thing about these two bits, right, what he was saying about 70 jubilees is a period of 70 sets of seven. No one ever interprets that to mean 70 jubilees. It's right. 70 sets of, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. No. He's talking about years. And a, a jubilee typically had happened once a generation. Yeah, it was like once every 50 years. Uh, Typically less time than that, but Yes. Well, okay, it was technically 49 years. <laughs> That's the actual, and, and if we're talking about the Hebrew Bible, it would be every 49 years. Well, I'm talking about throughout the whole world, the Jubilee system, but uh, sure, the Jews did it every 49 years. I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it is. This is specifically okay. the, the Hebrew Bible that he's talking right. about. Right. And he's using the Jubilee system of uh, ancient Israel to prove out the fact that the end of the world is about to happen. It was a very popular system. It was a very popular system. I mean, we should bring it back. Absolutely. Debt forgiven after 50 years, we could use that. We could really <laughs> use that. So these two pieces of scripture have continued to be reinterpreted over the centuries by church fathers. So Greek church fathers and Latin church fathers used it. It would mess with the numbers and make it apply to Rome and then use it to like discuss the fall of Rome. And that tradition has continued to this day with folks like David Koresh, who used uh, these types of scriptures to talk about the fall of America. I think he thought that it was going to happen in 99. This guy's saying it's 2014. He is also adjusting the dates so that like the last Jubilee is only a half Jubilee. He also doesn't explain why that's the case. Once again, he's just messing with the numbers to make it fit and make it down. Right. So that's what he's talking about. He just made it up. Well, yeah, I mean, it kind of, some of it did sound pretty made up, to be fair. And when you just start, like, talking about numbers in the Bible, I always, I always think of when I was listening to a rabbi talk about how the, the number 40 was Jewish for, we're not really sure how long it is. <laughs> So you get like 40 days and 40 nights, 40 days out in the desert, 40 years out in the desert. It's kind of just like, well, we don't know how long Moses was on the ark. Noah. <laughs> Whatever. Whoever the heck was on the, Moses was in the desert. Noah was on the ark. We're all good. Samson was under the pillar. And I think, and that's the thing too, is that once those kind of timeframes are established, they're constantly reused as almost like a callback. Yeah. So, you know, Noah was on the ark for 40 days. When Moses went up to Mount Sinai to get the law from God, he was up on Mount Sinai for 40 days. Right. Like, these are constantly called back as references to other stories. But again, it's Jewish for, we have no idea how long he was actually up there. That's a way to look at it. I, I think of it more literary as like a literary callback. No, that's what it is. It's, if they just were like, well, 40 days, I guess. Four, make it 40. Sure. That's a, that's a nice round number. Um, uh, 40. Anyways, so that is when the world is going to end. You know what's funny? He was probably up there for like two hours. <laughs> Moses, you've been up on this mountain for so long. It's been like 40 days. It's like I, I was. It was just a small hike, guys. Yeah. Mount Sinai is not that big. It's not that big. <laughs> I just went up and came down. It was an afternoon. Yeah, it was a long afternoon. Yeah, I was barely late for lunch. These right. portions, they're so small. To the year 2024. It's not about um, being right. It's about the truth. Right. And it's about doing what we can to, to protect our, our communities, to protect our families, protect the, the people we love. Um, and putting our head in the sand is not going to do us any good. The point I, I was trying to conclude, this 70th Jubilee 
because it's a spiritual jubilee, and as compared to the civil jubilee where, where the, the law jubilee freed the slaves, canceled debt, and restored property that had been foreclosed, all of which were a, a, a change in the civil relations among men, this final jubilee is going to do the same only spiritually. It's 25 years, not 50 years, following the last civil jubilee. The same way the spiritual calendar is the exact opposite six months from the civil calendar. And so this year of completing the jubilee is the year 2024, George. That's not too far away. This nuclear war is going to take place within 14 months. It could take place within 14 days. It's a pretty wide berth that he's given himself. But... Also, it is a little tight that it has to happen by the end of next year. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing with the timeline we've been given so far. Nuclear war is just another bingo like spot. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's on the bingo card. Let's not fool ourselves. It is on the bingo card. If we have nuclear war within 2024, I will be mad. Number one for the nuclear war, but number two, because this guy was right accidentally right. yeah i mean he's just I, the, the god is a has a raffle ball ticket you know yeah. what i mean he's just up there spinning the drum and and out pops out a ball and he calls out that number and if that number happens to be nuclear war guess what folks it's not going to be a very fun summer it's the uh manatees in the idea tank you know if they yeah. pick up nukes we're we're in trouble we're we're in big, big <laughs> nukes. trouble china yeah israel yeah you got <laughs> and then, it. then everything goes to shit yeah and then we're all screwed yeah but it's definitely going to be us that's screwed here in the u.s oh yeah dude we're done we're done for we have a lot of sins to atone for in the u.s could it happen someplace else no it's going to be the united states uh perhaps canada will will get hit perhaps some of the nato allies will get hit um no, the Deagle report forecasted the population in the United States would be reduced by about 75% by the year 2025. Well, the nuclear war is going to take place either sometime before the end of this year or at the latest by the fall of next year. And you, you may recall, it, six weeks prior to 9-11, I had a dream in which I saw the United States attacked by uh, four aircraft, commercial jets from United and American Airlines. Right. Right. After which I saw the nuclear war. I, I, I saw the nuclear strike on the West Coast. And I saw the mushroom clouds. The fallout was coming down. And in the dream, I, I was c- catching it in my hands. And I had a dream is never a great way to tell me how good your prediction is. Oh, no. it's it, But that's how good it is, though, is that he's having prophetic dreams. I guess unless it's like Martin Luther King Jr., I don't really want to hear about your dream. I mean, he, here's the thing about his dreams, Chris. He did predict 9-11 with them. Oh, my God. Is that, do you have a clip of that? I got a clip of that. Do you want to hear it? I want to hear that. Mr. <laughs> but, but in any event, I'd, at the time, I thought perhaps these airplanes were Russian bombers disguised to look like United Airlines. And Jeff's like, no, that, that's never going to happen. I said, well, I don't understand it, Jeff. But we're about to be attacked by United and American Airlines, and it's going to start the next war, and it's never going to end until it turns into World War III and it's going to involve a nuclear war on American soil. And, of course, you know, Jeff dismissed that, like most dreams can simply be dismissed, until six weeks later, on the morning of 9-11, the first jet hit, and Flight 11 hit the Twin Towers in 11, and it turns out it was an 11-year ritual that was being done. And if you want more information, go to my website, benjaminbrook.net, and look at the America Babylon page, and I'll explain everything to you. But in any event... George, this nuclear war is certain to occur, and we've already started the war with Russia. I'm not, I'm pretty pessimistic. I'm a pretty pessimistic guy. So anybody else saying that things aren't looking good, I always give them a little bit of forbearance. Well, do you want to hear the 11-year ritual that he was discussing? <laughs> Dude, he's got, this is one of his problems, way too many numbers. It's got Wait. a lot of numbers in it. Too many numbers, the half jubilee, the full jubilee, the 25, the 49, the 11, the 7, the 70. The, I'm I'm so confused about what any of these numbers are even referring to. 
I, I don't know where I am. I'm completely lost. That That is the technique, though, with these kinds of guys, is that you have to throw out as much information as possible to where you don't have a second to think. And you right. kind of just have to accept what he says, like how he was talking about the seven times seven, the is actually yeah. Jubilees. And it's like, no, it's not. It's pretty clear. We're not talking about Jubilees here. I haven't been able to do math in my head since fifth grade. <laughs> and they gave me a calculator. Yeah. But stop throwing numbers at me. But 460 years or whatever is not enough time because it's already passed. So you can't apply the prophecy to today. You have to make it elongated, right? Right. So with the 11 year like witchcraft that's being done and that started with 9-11 from Benjamin Baruch's websites on American Babylon, the number 11 represents revealing what has been hidden in the darkness. The first step of the ritual began on September 11th, 1990 on the eve of the first Iraq war as George Bush senior would proclaim the dawn of a new world order of the nations. The second step symbolized by the number 22 would begin 11 years later on the very day on 9, 11, 20, I mean, 2001 United airlines flight 11 would crash into the twin towers themselves constructed to represent a symbolic 11. The destruction of the twin towers initiated the second part of the ritual in which the sacrifice of 3000 souls would mark the beginning of action. The unseen rulers of this fallen world would now begin their move to destroy the existing world order First, by destabilizing the Middle East, creating the chaos out of which a new world order would one day rise as a phoenix from the ashes. Two planes from each airline would be used. Together, they represented the number 11, doubled in the skies, and together the number 22, the years remaining to the completion of the ritual. I am going to be a little upset to learn that they used that much symbology. <laughs> it's It's like too nerdy. It's too lame. It's it's a lot of symbology. It's very, I mean, very esoteric for sure. Mm -hmm. Incredibly esoteric. I what I was thinking about though was there probably is some magical significance to the number one, in that it is the first number out of nothingness. How much? our ancestors especially at the very beginning at the very beginning of putting numbers down on papyrus or stone tablets how important was one i bet there was almost like a little secret ritual before and what we would call an accountant would start transcribing whatever it was he was transcribing with a, an important significance to one. I have no idea. I don't know the significance of one. I know it doesn't come up in the Hebrew Bible, but. But this this is pre-Hebrew Bible. This is like I Sumeria, have, baby. I have truly no idea. Um, but something on that same page, Chris, that makes me doubt the veracity of this guy's claims, predicted the end of the world in October. So he wrote, the final 11-year period will end with the placement of the capstone, the all-seeing eye of Lucifer, with the great work scheduled to be completed by September 11th, 2023. World War III will likely occur within the following 33 days, the end of which is marked by an annular solar eclipse over the United States, on October 14th, 2023. Thus, the great work will be completed within 33 years and 33 days. The eclipse on October 14th crosses the U.S. from Oregon to Texas, exiting the nation at a high noon over Corpus Christi, marking the end for America. A subsequent total solar eclipse will complete the X on April 8th, 2024, beginning in Maine and crossing through New England, with this final phase darkening the skies over Dallas, Texas, before exiting the country. So he was saying World War III would start by that solar eclipse that already happened. You don't think it's already started? I don't think it has. I think it may have. You think it did? In I, Israel? I think that, I think he, I'm not saying he's wrong at this point. It's not, it's <laughs> definitely not, there's no way he's at all right. I mean, he got, it happened what, October 7th? I guess it would have been around there, yeah. So he's close enough for me. 
the war has not started. I guess if a, a world war starts from this, then I guess maybe. A lot of historians say World War One started when Franz Ferdinand gets assassinated. All right. Well, I guess we'll find out if he's right. So if if things start to escalate, he's he again. I'm not happy he's right. I don't think I don't think he's right on purpose. I think he may be accidentally right. We'll find out if we're still here doing this podcast in 14 months. Then he was not. Yeah, then he was. Then he wasn't. But if Which, the, if the podcast stops, he was definitely right. No, not if the podcast stops. If oh no one's here to listen to the podcast and the podcast. Stops. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought I thought we were going to still be putting it out, even if we're alive. I don't. We'll we'll figure it out. If there's okay. nuclear annihilation, stand by on whether we still have a podcast. We I don't know if Coast would still be around. Now George does ask him though, what if you're wrong? Because the problem here is that this guy is coming on and claiming the end of the world within 14 months. This guy comes on the show a lot. So if the world hasn't ended in 14 months, what's up with that? Now, if in a year, you're back on, of course, many times, but in a year, if nothing has happened, what, what, you're gonna, what will you say? Well, I, this is my analysis. I would say I'm wrong. I'm not trying to be a prophet. I'm not a psychic. I did see the events in 9-11 prior to, their, to the incident in a dream. I never saw the towers, but... I saw the airplanes. Well, maybe, maybe events stepped in, though, during this interim to stop this. So maybe you're not wrong, but maybe something happens. Or the timing's wrong. Or something stops this. But the fact that the United States will be judged in nuclear fire, that's in Bible prophecy. That's, that's been appointed and determined by God Almighty. Classic swindler thinking. We've <laughs> done something to make God stop the terrible things from happening. And he does say that at some point. That it's like, if we repent, then maybe God will stop it. We prayed hard enough. We did it, everybody. Pack it up. World ain't ended anymore. Yeah. So that way he can come back on, because George has to set him up for that. Yeah. Because he's going to... Yeah, because it's like, happen. Yeah, he's like, this guy's always saying shit. We got to just be yeah, like... Yeah, he's always... Set up the out, dude. There's still enough Coast listeners to be like, all right, this guy is always lying. Yeah. <laughs> about when the world's ending. You Maybe just, I don't want to listen to him anymore. You can't put that fixed of dates on things. That's the problem. Or it needs to be further out. You need to say the end of the world's coming like 2040. Because by right. then, it's close enough to where it's scary, but it's far enough that everyone's going to forget. And I'm sure if you played with the numbers are right, you could get whatever year you want. Just do a full jubilee, and then you have 49 years instead of 25. Right, yeah. Well, but he doesn't get to, you know, he's out here preaching that the world ends in 2040. Who yeah. cares? Yeah. Good. I hope it does. Yeah. So, who knows? The half-jubilee thing, I think he steals from Jesus, who came out during a half-jubilee, but um, there's no reason to apply it to Jeremiah or Daniel. I don't know what he's doing, dude. He's just having fun. Um, we do have a caller though. If you want to get to a caller, Chris, let's do it. Uh, who asks if we're going to drop nukes in space, which is kind of a fun question. Oh, hi, George. Uh, Benjamin, I love your passion. <laughs> um, I, I'm concerned about the stars, you know, in revelation when it says the moon, not the moon, but the sun will go black and the stars will fall from heaven. Do you think that would be the, they would bring the nuclear war also up in space? Well, there, yeah, I do think there's probably some space-based weapons, and the nuclear war will probably start in space with an attack on our early warning satellites. But, you know, the stars also decree what God's doing on the Earth. I mean, we're having an eclipse on October 14th that nobody's talking about, and that eclipse is going to cross from the West Coast all the way down to Corpus Christi, Texas, and the eclipse leaves the continental United States at exactly high noon, and the, the city of Corpus Christi turns dark like like nighttime at noonday, which is exactly the prophecy of Amos 8, verse 9. And on that day, I will turn the sun dark at noon. That will be fulfilled literally in 14 days. And that same eclipse goes down through Central America and then exits South America over 
a city called Nuvo Cruz. So this eclipse is going to leave North America and South America, turning the sun dark as night over two cities named after the cross. Is God not warning us that the light of the gospel is turning, it's being turned off? America's being turned over to darkness. The nation has rejected the truth. This is an antichrist nation. It is kind of awesome to think about satellites exploding in space <laughs> before the start of World War III. That would be pretty trippy. Like, what a terrifying announcement that we are in global war, watching the satellites overhead just getting blasted. That would be a good sci-fi movie, actually, like where you're, the the view is from people who are down on Earth watching the battle rage in space above them. Right. That's scary. Terrifying. Not excited about the implications of all of that, Paul. No, no, it wouldn't be great. So uh, let's just cross our fingers this guy's wrong, because um, if he's right, I'll uh, I'll be very sad very sad well chris i think that'll wrap up the show um on a scale of one to five nuclear bombs what do you give our boy ben i guess i'm gonna give him like two nuclear bombs i his analysis isn't terrible where the analysis i think goes awry is him trying to add all this bible stuff to it like, get rid of the number. Like, you don't need a lot of that stuff. I was fine when you were just kind of giving me the analysis. And some of it I didn't quite agree with, didn't quite agree with the angle. But some of it wasn't bad. And some of it was a decent reading of what was going on on planet Earth, in the political sphere, internationally. But he definitely lost me when... A lot of the Daniel and other Old Testament prophets. Like, I just don't really care about a lot of that stuff. And again, when you start playing with numbers like that, I just don't care. You lose me pretty quickly at numbers anyways. Like, just even scientists, if they're telling me real stuff with numbers, I'm like, I don't, I can't, I can't see the numbers I can't do the math. I don't even want to try to do it. I'm lost. I don't care. Yeah. And something uh, Dr. Tabor, who we interviewed, uh, said in one of his books is that apocalyptic prophets have a failure rate of 100 percent right. because no one has ever been right about the end of the world. Right. Right. And That's a very good point. I always have that in the back of my head where whenever someone is trying to play with math in the Bible, they are always wrong when predicting the end of the world they've just never been correct and like this is not an original thing like the people have been messing with these uh scriptures for generations and they're always incorrect they were a desert tribe <laughs> three thousand years ago what are you doing giving any significance to the present to numbers that they were just throwing out there and they're numbers that are very grounded in the events of the time. Like Jeremiah was specifically talking about the Jews who have been taken into captivity in Babylon. Like that's a very specific thing in a specific time period that he is giving for them to be released as he's writing to them. Like to apply that to modern day is just absurd. <laughs> Dude, why is 666 so important? Because it's the Hebrew equivalent to Nero. And Nero was killing jews and christians by the thousands yeah well it's it all of um all of revelations if you read it it doesn't make any sense it only makes sense if you uh, literally apply it to the exact political circumstances of the time right otherwise it's just a chaotic mess yes so stop doing that um so i'm gonna give a one because that really annoys me when people do that because it's just silly and you don't have to do it you don't have to do that. He's making a choice. Like you said, I think his analysis would have been fine. You can say that nuclear war is about to happen and discuss all the different power structures in play because it is a very dangerous time. Yes. That's fine. Yes. Um, I think he's fear-mongering a bit, but whatever, you can fear-monger. I hear Crystal and Sager 
say it every single week now since the attacks <laughs> in Palestine happened. Are they uh, are they on the, the oh, dude, war hype? Huge. Yeah. I, I don't even listen to them anymore because all right, I'm just like, this is trash. Yeah. You guys have just become trash like everybody else. Because, I mean, fear-mongering gets attention. Like, it gets yes. people to come back and gets them to click, which yes. is why I also find it annoying where whenever someone is trying to rile me up, I have had to learn to shut it off. Right. Like, I don't go on Twitter anymore because Twitter's just trying to make me mad. Yes. And whenever someone's coming in with some high-flying ideas about how everything's going to play out, I'm like, you don't know. No one knows. Like, yeah. it's probably going to suck. It's probably going to be pretty crappy. Yeah. But Most of us gonna... are, yeah, most of us are screwed. Yeah. But, just... that, that, but that's always been the case. Yeah, everything's not never not been kind of crappy. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that'll be the show. It sounds like this was a really uplifting <laughs> one for us. Um, and on that note, everybody, just call it. Great, have a great day. Have a great day, everybody. I'll do a more uplifting one next time. How about that? <laughs> well, I don't care. I don't well, care. That'll be all. I don't even care, dude. Uh, whatever. Send us out. All conspiracy, all the time. Later.